Hi, Brandon Monroe here, and you're listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Well, after about a week and a half of waiting, we finally have the end result in William Byron's penalty situation. I'm Brandon Monroe, and alongside me, as always, is Mark Chavez, and let's jump into the biggest of the many stories we're going to have tonight, and that is William Byron. Of course, uh, it was announced earlier today that NASCAR has changed the penalty that Byron got for spinning out Denny Hamlin under yellow at Texas. No points! So Byron gets us 25 points back. The fine does increase to 100000 and I know a lot of people... Just at least in terms of people on social media, I, I don't feel like everyone completely understands why this happens or happened, even though we've pretty much been in the same boat since the beginning of this whole process. I mean, you know, it would be a lot clearer if the review board would actually give a reason as to it. But I mean, I feel like it's you just set a bad precedent, I think, if you start dishing out penalties for stuff like this that should have been caught during the race, uh, where at a 100%, it's an action that happened to another driver. You just get in this really weird, murky area if you're basically dishing out a penalty because, oh, we are not good enough at our jobs, had someone literally yelling at us about their the, what happened being Denny Hamlin, just chose to ignore it. And now we'll give William Byron a penalty. And it just doesn't seem right or fair, period. I just think it sets a bad precedent. There's obviously, you know, the counter argument that penalizing or not penalizing him sets this idea that you can do whatever you want under caution. And I, I don't think that's the case either. Yeah, I, I didn't understand when I went on either Reddit or Twitter or any anywhere and people were like, well, this just sets the precedent that you could dump somebody under yellow. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I, I think NASCAR, by changing this penalty... Well, I guess not NASCAR. The appeals board is making it clear to NASCAR that you have to do your job. And they didn't do their job in this situation. And given what they could have done to Byron during the race, which is what should have happened, you can't just penalize him 25 points for something like that. Um, Unless NASCAR maybe used the Noah Gregson argument and he said, well, we would have parked him if we saw it, which... Like we already went through, that probably would have been worse because then you're just admitting you didn't see the incident. In the yeah, because with with the Noah Gregson incident, right? Like they gave a reasoning, which was they wanted to make sure nothing with the car was broken, and then they penalized him effectively. Who would have been penalized had they just parked him? And while I don't agree with that approach either, I also think it's a lie to be honest. Uh, it at least makes sense, and you go, okay, I understand that. That is. I don't even think it's necessarily unfair. I just think they only did it because social media. Um, In this case, there is no reason to not penalize him during the race. There is also, and I did not think about this until uh, it was said elsewhere, but I mean, there was a precedent for them giving Denny spot back. Because I know at the time we both were like, we certainly can't give a spot back. Whether or not I agree with it or not, at Portland in the Xfinity series, when... Ty Gibbs was inexplicably dumped by uh, Justin Awuji. <laughs> Jesse Awuji. <laughs> completely stopped working there. Uh, Jesse Awuji. Uh, they did just give Ty his spot back, and I don't think that was the right decision because, I mean, there was still a 
an incident, but I mean, it's still something they done did before. Reasonably could do again. Uh, I think just as much, honestly, the <laughs> penalizing him for this does sets a precedent where you're right. You shouldn't wreck people under caution. So let's just continue to spin each other out going 180 miles into the turn. Because we've seen plenty of times this year where contact seems pretty blatant and nothing happens. I mean, Denny, and obviously we didn't wreck him, but the shenanigans that Denny pulled at Gateway on uh, Ross Chastain, whether justified or not, to me are really not any different than what William Byron did under caution. At the end of the day, you're still ruining someone else's race after they ruined yours. That's, that's, how, that's how you look at it to me. Um, so yeah, I just, I think by missing it on race day, they were kind of put in a situation where no one, they were never going to make everybody happy. Uh, and I think, but I think this is honestly the fairest outcome. Yeah. Even though I think there's a lot of people that do disagree with it. I agree with you. I'm kind of surprised the 25 points got completely overturned. I thought there'd be a reduction, but Hey, that's a. Good news for the 24 team is they go from being out to being in right now before the race. So that's a, that's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And we'll go over the points when we get to the Cup Series. But it also makes me laugh. All the people like, oh, NASCAR always rigged for, for Hendrick. Like, NASCAR does not want to lose any penalty ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've now lost two times this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't. how many times have they ever lost, period, before this? I mean... There's been a lot of times where I think it's stuff's been moved around. The one that I always remember, and probably more so right now, because this is another Hendrick car, and I mentioned this last time, was in 2012 in the Daytona 500 when they just penalized Jimmy Johnson 25 points before the car even went through tech. And it's, it's similar to this situation where if you guys did your job, there, there'd have been nothing to appeal. <laughs> they, they, you wouldn't have even gotten to this point. Um, so very similar in that, where if you did the correct thing during the race, you're not in it. You know, you're not you're not in this spot. You don't have to go through this process. And you know, a fair point that you brought up. It's it's not like NASCAR's rigging it for Hendrick Motorsports. Like there's this whole NASCAR, separate appeal panel. You know, yeah, appeal panel that oversees everything. Just. I, 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 the lot, you know, Talladega, great race, to be honest. It just, it just really was. Um, but it, it, this has just been such a, it's been a bad, cluster. bad couple of, uh, <laughs> couple of weeks. And I mean, uh, I, I think he says it better than I, I did. So I'm just going to read uh, Brom, Nick Bromberg's tweets because I think they, they sum it up very well. What, what now the mess that it is from this, right? So race control missed an intentional spin of a driver under yellow decided to level an ex- an escalated punishment two days later because it missed the spin basically. And then had the points penalty overturned after we have now gone through a whole race with this penalty being intact. Uh, so one missed the issue. I mean, Denny, you know, got did, you know, get penalized roughly by Byron. You know, that is true. Uh, but then NASCAR misses the penalty, decides to levy one after the fact, then affects Talladega because of it, because they didn't, for whatever reason, just have the review last week. 
does it like take time to get these people here to like i feel like you could do this all over zoom now i don't feel like it's a situation where you need to ship people in like why do we have to wait next week extra week because like william byron runs talladega probably different if they are in a different point situation from there and that you know hey that could affect the race. <laughs> Talladega, you know, if one person makes one small move, one line might go, the other one might not. Like, maybe the stages run a little differently. Maybe the finish runs a little bit differently. Who knows? But, again, I know I'm pretty much agreeing with everything that you say, or in this case, what Nick said on uh, Twitter, but there's no reason for this to take an extra week. No. This should have been done last Thursday, not this Thursday. And uh, yeah, now it's on the news. We're still talking about it. A hundred percent should have just mm-hmm. been last Thursday. Then it's out of the way. Now the talking point through the Roval is this penalty. Should Byron make? And this was going to be remembered anyway, but because of the timing of it too, if Byron makes it in by less than twenty-five points, which feels pretty likely to be honest, uh, not certain, but uh, you know, likely, <laughs> then that's all the talking point's going to be. And I do think a week delayed changes some of the narrative around that. If they instead re- reversed it last week. But as you said, too, like you cannot undo the effect that this had in terms of how Byron ran Talladega or how some other drivers ran Talladega, too. Mm-hmm. You left Talladega, Cindric and Briscoe were probably, you know, not content with their spot, but weren't upset by it. They were tied with each other. Um... And only both of them only 12 points behind the seventh place guy. Now, not only are they tried with each other, but they're 12 points behind the eighth place guy. Mm-hmm. So it also effectively like moves someone like uh, a uh, Christopher Bell into literally uh, a must win. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's in a bad spot now, too. But like, like you said, we'll, we'll dive into that when we do get to the points. Um, Moving on to other news, this one came out of left field yesterday. Uh, Kevin Harvick docked 100 points. Rodney Childress suspended four races as NASCAR uh, back from the R&D Center, which I think we've learned this year. You're better off getting caught at the track because those R&D Center penalties are a lot worse. Um, They got him for an infraction on modifying uh, the source parts. Uh, This one on the rear deck lid, I We'll say it's at least a little bit nice on NASCAR's part to tell us what was wrong with the car, unlike when they got Brad Keselowski earlier in the year. But just very, like I said, very surprising. (laughs) Didn't see that one coming at all. I guess that's why they bring him back to the R&D Center. But in awful playoffs for Kevin Harvick has gotten much worse. Uh, He's pretty much guaranteed 16th unless Alex Bowman doesn't come back. I I mean, I don't think, speaking of that, I mean... (laughs) Bowman <laughs> also out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they should just call it a season. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't think it's worth it. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, effectively, fifteenth at best. You know, uh, if, if he if Bowman doesn't come back, it's still effectively the best Harvick's going to get is fifteenth. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, kind of feels like a whatever penalty, but there's nothing they could do about that. It's the end of the season, like. It would have felt, and this is not NASCAR's fault. If Harvick was like 11 or 13th in points right now, right? Like, and maybe, you know, eighth or seventh, or not, sorry, seventh, uh, ninth went the wrong way, ninth after the the reset, then this feels like more of a penalty. Maybe he's still fighting for that, you know, up to maybe even fifth in points. 
He was 16th before. Now he's just even further behind in 16th. Oh, but not again, not like NASCAR can't start levying the penalties differently just because of your points position. No. Um, yeah, I mean, people might say this is targeted, and I will say there is a chance that taking his car home from the R and or to the R and D center, a hundred percent targeted. That, that's not impossible. That's not impossible. But at the end of the day, if they weren't doing one of the few things they've been told very explicitly not to do, do not mess with single source parts. And this wouldn't have been an on issue because they wouldn't have gotten penalized. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I do like a good conspiracy theory. And with how Kevin Harvick and Rodney have talked over the last, you know, couple of weeks, maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it was. And at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't matter. You're, it's not like they made it, up the penalty, you know? Yeah, they, they still they, got they, caught. Sure, they gave you under, uh, more scrutiny. We've seen that in all kinds of sports forever. <laughs> you anger the sanctioning body, they're going to try to find you on something. And your job at that point is to do nothing. Uh, I feel like we'll get a pretty clear picture from Rodney or Harvick in terms of exactly what happened. And then, you know, opinions may change there. But I think at the end of the day, if you did mess with the single source par, you knew pretty clearly not to. Yeah. So we, so I, I don't feel bad for them. That's for sure. I'd say at the moment this is pretty cut and dry. No, no it, debating it, over. It. At this point, anyone—it just doesn't seem worth it, honestly. No. At this point, to to in any way affect any of the single source parts. Mm-hmm. You just—you know—there are some gray areas that teams find, and maybe they thought this was one of them. We'll find out. But it, it just doesn't seem worth it. No, we've had more this year. I feel like in in the Cup Series, more penalties like this than in the last several years. Obviously, never had to DQ before or at least at the top level uh or the winners i mean uh before this year but even then we have now mcdowell uh we have brad and we have now uh harvick mm-hmm. in addition to it they weren't single source parts but we also had the penalties for eric jones and ty Dillon as well yeah so they've they have been cracking down uh not uh not a complete surprise i guess with a new car but uh not a not a good look for Kevin Harvick or his team at all, and uh, I'm sure they can't wait for this season to end at this point. Um, you know, tracking back to Alex Bowman, because we, we did brush up on that there. Um, again, it was announced earlier in the week, not going to be running at the Roval, and I know by the sound of it, it sounds like you think that they should just park it for the rest of the year. It just feels like it's just not worth the risk. You're already you're eliminated from the playoffs. Gregson, even though he doesn't want to, is running the car pretty ironic about that. I feel like most Xfinity drivers would uh, just love any chance to run. And I'm sure Gregson is appreciating it because it is a great car he's stepping into. But pretty funny after weeks of talking about not wanting to run the car at all. He is now running it two weeks in a row, although he would have been running last week anyway. And uh, could be running it the you know remaining four races after this. So, I guess it really comes down to how bad Bowman is hurt, and you don't you don't know with concussions. Uh, by the, I was gonna say by the sound of it, he he thought you know he was fine until he got in the sprint car when he was doing stuff with Jimmy, and that's that's what made him go to the doctor. And and that, that's my point too, though. Like you don't know, you might feel fine, and it's hard to really I feel like simulate a full race and what that'll do to you. I think at this point, it's just not not worth it. You'll come back next year. You'll be fine. 
Uh, it just doesn't seem worth it at this point. Plus, you know, ignoring the the idea of concussions are so easy to re-trigger. Theoretically, the car should be a little safer next year. I'd hope so. <laughs> so why not just you you know you're literally going to be pretty close to if not racing for nothing. Uh, obviously, the 48 team itself still racing for something, but so I feel like just the smart thing is just to stay out for the rest of the rest of the season. Yeah, and I, I'm I, pretty sure I've been on that train with Kurt Busch too, mm-hmm. with the exception of he's not going to go through a full season again. He doesn't want to go through a full season again after this. If he wants to get a couple races, call it a career, then I think he does it. But I think at this point, if you're Kurt and you do have every intention of racing next season, you don't race again at all this year either. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I know NASCAR said they'd let Kurt do it, and I'm assuming they would for Bowman, too. Basically, they would give the driver a test session to see if they could get cleared. Um, and doesn't sound like Kurt's at that point. I know he was at the Roval last week, early this week, painting the walls and stuff, doing stuff for, you know, just uh, promoting the race that's upcoming there this week, obviously. And uh, no, no indication like- that he's close, and... At least by the it, sound of it. it almost feels like with Kurt, they have quietly made that decision that he's just going to be out for the rest of the uh, rest of the year and just not said anything. Mm. Like because we're, we're not getting weekly updates. We're just seeing nope. Ty Gibbs isn't the car again. That's that's what it's been the last like couple. Of weeks. I don't. It's not even a question at this point. It's kind of assumed, right? So, so. well. Uh, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on both of those drivers, and hopefully they will be back next year. And you know, maybe maybe they do come back before the end of the year. But I'm I'm with you. I think Kurt feels very unlikely. Maybe Bowman comes back, but again, you're 100 percent right with the concussions. You don't want to you know stack them on each other. They can get easier to get after you've had multiple ones. So it might be best for both of them to just sit it out. I know that really sucks as a driver. You don't like it when somebody's in your car, but for the long term on both guys, probably the best uh, decision that they can make, um, at least for the long term health and uh, their future in the sport. Going to some, uh, you know, better news, <laughs> some more exciting news. Uh, colleague, man, they uh, just decided to announce everything the other day, and uh, there's some shakeups, I guess you could say, over there at their cup and Xfinity team. Yeah. I mean, doing something I've kind of wanted for a while now, uh, AJ going full time in the cup series next year in the 16. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense with six, uh, six road courses on the schedule. And we've seen him get top tens and non road courses. You got a top 10 at gateway. Uh, I know that one. Don't, I, there may have been another track I don't I think it was Gateway anyway. But I know he had a top 10 in Gateway, maybe loud, and some kind of flat oval like that. It would have been, I feel like, I want to say Bristol, but I don't think it was Bristol. may have also had one at Bristol. That That's entirely mm-hmm. possible. Um, I just know he had one at, or maybe it was Nashville. One of those, like, flatter, flatter, uh, flatter ovals. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's had speed. He's definitely been the best in the 16 car. I think the 16 car would benefit greatly from having a, a full-time driver. By the way, he did get a 7th at Bristol. He did also have a 10th, though, at Gateway. Uh, 
along with you know top tens at Road America, Indie Road Course, Watkins Glen, and uh, would have got one at Sonoma and at, at Coda. Sonoma, he had no power steering, and near the end of the race, he was running tenth or ninth. Uh, near the end of the race, wound up going off track, and well, I think we all know what happened at Coda. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, already in his limited starts this year was in uh, contention to win two races, really. Watkins Glen, he did finish second. If if they get a, another restart, which is certainly possible, uh, he's right there. Who knows what happens? Uh, and obviously could have won Coda. So, and I, I just, I think the overall performance of the car would be better if there was someone in it more consistently. I think you've seen JJ, or uh, sorry, Justin uh, Haley, who did, you know, used to be JJ Haley before uh, he went in the NASCAR. Uh, have more consistency as of late. Had a little bit more speed, and I think the 16 will benefit from having one guy in the car, and I think the best candidate for that, with Kyle obviously not being available, is AJ Allmendinger. Yeah, I'm not completely <clears throat> shocked. I mean, I think Noah Gregson was possibly somebody we thought for a oh, while well, that sure. could end up also, in this car. Also not, not available. Not yes. available, but yes, yes uh, also. Yeah, so... I think it's the best decision for that team. Uh, you get the veteran presence in there. I, listen, I like AJ. He's not, you know, a prime Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson, but he's yeah, definitely like, going to be able to. He's definitely going <laughs> to be able to, you know, influence the team. He knows his stuff. I don't think he's, he's going to go out and win a championship, uh, but he can certainly contend. He could make the round of eight. For, I, for I'm sure. not. I'm not even going that far. I'm just saying, like, as a whole, I expect them to be better. Oh, no, not exactly. But, I mean, yeah. he's a, he is, a, I think, just think by far that he's going to make them better just by being full-time, period. Yeah. No, going, going to that team, it's going to make the 16 better. It's going to make the 31 better. Uh, you're to not going to have to work. Sun. <laughs> True. True gets to do that full-time. It's a, it's a good move. Um, not a surprising one. I think the surprising ones, uh, or the surprising announcement that Colleg had, was with their Xfinity team and But can we really call it that surprising, Brandon? I wasn't going there. I was going with Landon Castle. That one was back. surprising. That <laughs> one was surprising. That one that one was surprising. I did not see that coming by the sound of it with it sounded like Landon's sponsors with Voyager, everything that they have going on. It didn't sound like he had any funding. Um but they're bringing him back, so you know, good for Landon. Obviously somebody that a lot of fans like so it's good to see him not be one and done and hopefully they'll run it back next year and he'll have a better season uh daniel hemrick could come back that's a little bit up in the air they're still working on sponsorship but the other big piece of information that they announced and this was swirling for a couple days well and... I, I i do guess related mm -hmm. uh to landing castle real quick uh yeah i mean i just don't know what to make of anything i hear anymore ever again like, all we heard was Voyager going under. Like, Landon, a couple months ago, may not even be in his ride if he misses the playoffs, was kind of, I feel like, the general thing being said. <laughs> not only did he miss the playoffs, he is now in the ride still next year. Yeah, so that's definitely not anything that we saw coming. But to the other big piece of news, and like I was saying, you were pretty much spot on this. I think you even mentioned it. Maybe not in the episode last week, but I know we were talking about it, and that is Fandler Smith going to be driving the 16 car in the Xfinity series for Colleague. I felt like he was on the move. I couldn't pencil in where he was going to go. 
you know, for a little while, I was thinking maybe Junior Motorsports, and before I could even, you know, develop that into a full thought, uh, they announced Brandon Jones was going to the nine. But I think this is a really good pickup for Colleague and probably a good move for Chandler Smith. Toyota's full of drivers. If you want to get to the Cup Series, you have to kind of look at your options, do something similar to what Tyler Reddick did. That's why he went to RCR in the first place, because he felt that was the best way to get to Cup. And I think Chandler Smith is probably making the same decision here. Colleague's a very good Xfinity team. AJ is getting up there in age, so he's not going to be in the 16 in the Cup Series forever. It definitely allows him a path to get to the Cup Series, and I think he was also talking about it. You know, he's only like 20 years old. I think he's perfectly fine waiting three or four years. So, Colleague has a driver that they could develop as their own. Um, you know, depending on what happens with AJ, maybe he's ready to retire in a couple years, and you could just put Chandler Smith in that car if he develops well. Maybe they go to a third car at that time. Uh, there's let's, some options. Let's not forget the idea either, and no one likes to really talk about it. But should you know AJ go out there, get top tens on ovals? Obviously, expect him to do really well in road courses. Get top top tens in ovals. You know, maybe top fifteen, maybe even top ten in points regularly without before the playoffs. And Justin Haley is still running. You know, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth in points. You know, maybe gets another year after that car, and then that's the seat seat that goes to Chandler, Chandler Smith. That's that's also possible. It just at I, that point, at that point, I almost feel like they might just change both drivers because I just don't know how long AJ's gonna last. Well, like, sure, sure, but I mean, if if AJ's run do going out there right. running well, he'll stick around forty five. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if he runs well and and Justin Haley doesn't take that step, which I certainly think he can. But I, I, I don't feel like what we've seen from him, by and large, has largely been all that remarkable, even in the lower series. No, he's he's okay. Uh, he, was, he was consistent. Yep. He kept the yeah. car clean, but he wasn't a world beater or anything. No. Really good at so, plate tracks. Really good at plate tracks in the Xfinity mm-hmm. series. But. Well, we'll see. I mean, you're definitely not wrong there with Justin Haley. Uh, but again, I mean... Well, well, let's see how AJ does, too, because you're right. If he goes out there and just either, dominates, if he's winning two road course races a year, it's going to be hard for him to hang that up. Either way, I, I 100% think that uh, this is a better career move for Chandler Chandler Smith. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, one, he probably wasn't, he probably knew he wasn't getting a, a JGR Xfinity ride in all likelihood. Um, and so then at that point, even you, you know where are you gonna go? Even if you uh, did get one, that's certainly no guarantee of a clean path up to Cup either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had everyone's like, "Oh, someone's got to replace Kurt Busch." Well, they already have the Kurt Busch replacement. They went and got him a year and a half early, mm-hmm. maybe only a half year, depending how things shake out. Uh, Truex will be retiring, sure, but that's just one car. This, I. It's sure you expect 2311 to expand, but short of like Toyota doing most of the legwork, Denny's going to put in who he wants to put in that car. Yeah, there's no guarantee any of these Toyota development drivers end up at 2311 no, ever. No, no. Short, short of like them coming with a full pack. And they still have the thing is they still have to be the guy. Like, I don't see Denny ever giving the ride just to someone with money. Uh, 
So they have to have money and be the guy. And it's not like Gibbs where I feel like Toyota has a lot of sway. Like, if you told me uh, straight up that at some point, it seems unlikely because I think they're more likely to become the top Toyota team than leave Toyota, but I don't think that's impossible if someone came around with an offer. Mm -hmm. So I certainly don't think any of the Toyota guys in the development pipeline can look at 2311 and go, that's a place I'm going to end up for sure. So I think leaving makes sense. Uh, Super crowded. And not only is it super crowded, but... Toyota, for better or for worse, kind of turns through some of those guys pretty quickly. I mean, we've seen it multiple times now on the Gibbs side of things, where you get two or three years, and if you're not performing, well, on to the next one. You saw it with Daniel Suarez. You saw it with Eric Jones. I mean, hell, they even they even booted Matt Kenseth out for one of them. Yep. <laughs> like, they don't care. <laughs> they don't so, care at all. I, I think it's a great move. There are a lot more Chevy teams that it opens you up to. Uh... And yeah, and I think they're a good team. I think you, I it feels like it's going to be hard to move from the truck series to the cup series really ever again if you're not already someone that they just randomly decide to do that with on purpose almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to move up. I don't know what he gains by another year in the truck series. He's had a really good year this year. Uh, Especially who knows where he'd be. Exactly, exactly. So Yo, yeah. all, all around, I think, great moves for everybody involved. Maybe not Daniel Hemrick, who may not have a ride. Uh, but for everyone else who does have a ride, uh, good moves for them all. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking a little bit of the truck series, too, uh, you know, with KBM leaving, that's part of the reason why you probably see Chandler Smith make this move when he decided to. Um, Toyota needs a replacement down there. Obviously, KBM, if they're still a thing, they're going to be Chevys because that's what Kyle's driving in the Cup Series when he moves to RCR. And right now, the rumor out there is that DGR could be that replacement. They could be going back to Toyota. Um, Some possible drivers, I know Corey Heim's name was thrown out there. Whether that's part-time or full-time is yet to be known in terms of that. But it's uh, it's an interesting move. I don't don't know if I like it. I, I don't know. I just, I think DGR to me, like, they are a good team. I think with Ryan Priest in that 17 truck, they could have contended for a championship this year if he was driving it the whole season. But maybe maybe it's just not the splash that I was expecting Toyota to do to go acquire some new assets after KBM's uh, departure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a move that makes sense. We, I feel like there have been rumors for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. but they were quiet, quiet murmurs. Uh, definitely cranked up here this week. First, like, actual uh, reporters. First time I actually saw them talking about it. It'll be interesting. It leaves them a lot of questions, a lot of questions. I mean, it it really does, because I, I thought if he wasn't going to get an Xfinity ride next year, you could almost pencil Ryan Priest into that ride full-time. Uh, with his contract with Stuart Haas, that's not going to happen. Now, if you can get Corey Heim, that's that's probably a good deal, but it's going to be a little different. I mean, Heim has two well, wins. It's definitely not bad. So the, yeah, no, Heim's definitely good. Uh, and I, this, this news also makes me more confident. Uh, John Hunter in an Xfinity car for Joe Gibbs next year. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, since I think most of us thought Heim also was a prospect there. But God, so many questions, right? So... <laughs> What does 
how does this impact uh, Front Row's truck team? Uh, how does this potentially impact Todd Gilliland? I, I haven't seen anyone really talk about this, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was some kind of... If DGR's alliance, uh, being David Gilliland Racing, uh, alliance with Front Row in the truck side, their like, partnership that they had, had any kind of impact with, with Front Row signing Ty Gilliland, or, uh, Todd Gilliland. So that's another one. And then the obvious question, Haley Deegan. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm willing to bet that she's gone. <laughs> well, considering she's still heavily tied with Ford, that seems likely. Yes. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, she's not coming back. I'd have to look at how old Taylor Gray is. If he's old enough to run the whole season next I year. I want to say... He might miss like Daytona. Right the of the year. I, I'd have to look. I'd have to look because I, I remember looking at this, and I think he might miss. Yeah, March. So he'd miss like the first maybe two races. I, I don't remember the exact truck schedule. <laughs> He'll turn eighteen March twenty fifth. Yeah. So. so he he'd miss the first handful of starts. Uh, but I mean, certainly enough that one, if he ran full time, a win would be enough to get him in for sure. If he went full time from that part, but uh, two potentially enough that if he was good enough, still managed to work his way in. Uh, yeah, because they would give him a waiver. Looks, looks like he would. Yeah, yeah. They and they have a history of doing that. It was yeah. I think Ankrum. Ankrum. I feel like they did it with possibly Justin Haley as well. I definitely remember Ankrum. I remember Ankrum's for sure because he won. Yeah. I think that's probably why I remember it yeah. so explicitly. Run pretty early on. Anyway, did he win before he? No, he won a Kentucky. It was a okay. kind of a fuel mileage. It's a weird race, but he. he uh, did it looks it. like, by the way, uh, next year he would miss the first three races, being Daytona, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. Coda actually would be on his birthday. And that's a road course, so he'd he'd be able to do that regardless. That's not a problem. So, I mean, hey, with the, with the way the format is, I think those cars are good enough where he could race his way back into the top twenty. He's probably going to end up full time, if I had to guess. After that. My, if if I was to bet on this, if I could bet on this, <laughs> I'd probably say they're going to have three trucks next year. It'll be Taylor and Tanner Gray and Corey Heim. That would be my guess. Uh, I don't see Haley Deegan being back in that truck next year, especially with her big announcement that she had earlier in the week, where she will be driving at Las Vegas in the Xfinity series. I, I think she's tied to Ford. I think if that team goes, she's not going to be driving, you know, a different manufacturer. And from the sound of it, you know, depending on who you listen to, it definitely sounds like there's people in her camp that just want her out of the truck series, that they chalk up her issues to it just being kind of the wild, wild west out there and people running over each other and being over aggressive and, you know, more reckon than racing i guess you could say so i i think everything is pointing to her in an xfinity car next year could be in you know what the 07 like she's driving i believe at vegas but i i don't really see anywhere else for her to go i i can't see her sticking around in the truck series just based on how it sounds like people in her camp you know feel about that series 
I mean, I I feel like at this point, this is you know how I felt for a little while. Might as well move up. I don't think at this point any more truck time is going to really help her all that much. I think at this point she's better off racing in the Xfinity Series where they race more often. Uh, they're, they're just, what, 10 more races a year? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if the opportunity is there, I think it's better for her development at this point. I, I don't think... I, I just don't see uh, staying in the trucks really helping her all that much. This year is uh, hard to argue been better than last year. I, the numbers are Closer, still, you know, not great, uh, but closer than they were in the beginning of the year. And I, I just can't see what another season of, of trucks is going to do for her. Um, it just, you know, and then maybe she is one of those people that will do better in the Xfinity series than the trucks. Now, I don't think that means she's going to go out there and be a contender all of a sudden, just because while we've seen that kind of thing happen before, usually it was like, top 10, top 15 drivers go up to a series and then maybe become top five drivers. Not a driver that struggles for top 20s becomes a top 10 driver even. You know, I would love to be wrong, though. I would love to be wrong. People, people always just grab... They, they grasp at what Jimmy Johnson did from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series. and Jimmy Johnson is the exception. He is not the rule. Normally, if you are, like you said, a struggling to get top 20s, you're not going to magically become a playoff contender when you move up to the next series. That just doesn't happen. So, I know a lot of people will blame her equipment. I know we both disagree with that argument. I, I think DGR is fine equipment. We'll we'll see how Vegas goes. For uh, I mean, I you know not you know Jimmy Johnson just for the record in two thousand his first full time Xfinity season still had six top tens. Digno's I will say three. Jimmy Johnson driving for Herzog, I feel like is still worse than Haley Deegan driving for DGR. Well, but I mean, that's my point too, though. Like, and he still went out there and did got six top tens. Right. Right. No, I got you. I got you. And now. Uh, a series that also had more depth that was, that too. Well, not just that it had more depth. I mean, it was full of cup guys still. Yeah. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a different argument. It's definitely a different argument there. But we, you know, we'll, we'll see what Deegan can do. At Las Vegas, I know a lot of eyes are going to be on there. Honestly, this is a situation where if I'm her, just kind of do what you do in the truck race. If you run 25th, yeah, no, if you run 25th and bring the car home in one piece, I'm sure there'll be some people that have stuff to complain. They'll be like, oh, she's driving the car. Cole Custer won in at Auto Club. You you know, there'll be somebody to make some excuses. But if you just run, you know, all the laps, Keep the car in one piece. Don't cause any problems. I chalk that up as a success at the end of the day. So we'll see how that goes for her when they get to Vegas. Of course, before we get to Vegas, we got to get through the Roval. (laughs) Uh, Cup and Xfinity Series, both at the Charlotte Roval. I know this has been a fun race ever since it got introduced onto the schedule a couple years ago. Looking at the favorites in the Xfinity Series, 
No well, surprise here. Well, well, I was going to say, before that even, though, in terms of typical road course fashion, especially in the playoffs, like, quite a few interesting names in this race. That's that's fair. You know, let's let's actually go over the names because there are a lot of different drivers in this race. Uh, just the ones I have is even in in uh, you know notable equipment or notable starts for them. Uh, Sage Karam in the O2. I mean, we've seen him in pretty decent equipment. Uh, O2 being the R Motorsports car, still still uh, a good car. You know, they they run top fifteen. Uh, James Davison, first start of the year in any any of the NASCAR series. I'm pretty sure uh, in the eighteen. It's been a while since he's been in, in that car. Was I think back before COVID was the last time he was in it. Uh, Daniel Kvyat making his Xfinity Series debut in the 26th for Sam Hunt Racing. Excited to see what he'll do. Obviously, his car is in the Cup Series. Also, ironically, number 26, you know, pretty much back marker teams right now. Brand new team trying to get started. But 26, we've seen have a lot of respectable runs this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Wayne Self in the 32. It's make, trying to make his debut again. I don't remember if qualifying rained out or if something went wrong. I don't even remember where he was trying to make his debut before, uh, but trying to make his debut in the Xfinity Series again. Uh, Kaz Grala making his first start in, for Jesse Awuji this year uh, in the 34. Uh, our Josh Blicky and uh, Stephen Parsons, our usual Alpha Prime guy, and the long-awaited start for Marco Andretti in the 48. Announced literally months ago. Uh, something a lot of us have wanted since the first season of SRX, and we finally get it with Marco. We can't bet on him for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, Marco... Uh, <laughs> At least on um, DraftKings. Maybe he's out there on another sports book. But like as SRX. of right now, of recording, he is uh, not on the list in terms of betting odds. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Don't Don't understand that at all. But even with... All of these different names. Uh, the favorite, not a surprise. It's AJ Allmendinger at plus 180. And this is one of those times where I don't care that it's only plus 180. He's my pick to win the race. Uh, AJ, almost unbeatable in the Xfinity series. Actually, he, he might be. I don't know if he ran the first race here. Probably not, because that would have been a playoff race for the Xfinity series. I think every race that he has run, he has won. So plus 180 give me give me aj all day he's just so good on the road courses coming off of the talladega win i think that's uh an easy pick i would like to state for the record that i also believe that aj is going to win this race he won't be my pick though because that is boring a little bit boring by the way he has won every start he's made here uh from fifth 22nd and 14th so doesn't matter where he starts uh (laughs) I'm going to go with a little bit one, a little bit more outside. I think in order for him not to win something crazy has to happen. Maybe not so crazy that we get like a super crazy winner, but someone I think that could capitalize on it. That is probably, I mean, maybe not that underrated because he is the third best or third favorite. Uh, Austin Hill plus 800. Uh, been really good on road courses this year. Uh, I mean, that's really all it is. I think AJ is going to win, but I, I like Austin Hill's. Relative to the odds, I like Austin Hill a little bit more than Ty Gibbs, who's plus 350. All right. Well, if something happens to our guys, uh, value-wise, lots of people that are deep on here for this week. Uh, just just throw one out there, because I know there's probably four or five that we could both go with. Well, I, I like James Davison plus 2,000. 
Uh, he's led laps, been in contention to compete for wins in the Xfinity Series before in the same car. His car has been good. He's a good road racer. Uh, we saw some pretty solid stuff in his, and then not good equipment at all uh, in his last few years uh, when he was racing with uh, Rick Ware Racing. I think it was mostly in the Cup Series. Uh, I mean, you know, he won the the first ever race on the Chicago Street Course. He did <laughs> by a bajillion seconds. So. Just the car is really good. He's a, a good driver, not a ton of experience. One of the guys I think, you know, it'd be good to see him more. I think he could even just contend uh, Red Decent on Ovals, maybe even, but we never really got the chance to see. But yeah, James Davison plus 2000. That's uh, someone I like a lot here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with somebody that definitely, this is the best equipment that they've had in NASCAR. And that is uh, Daniel Kvyat. Uh, Driving that 26 of the Xfinity well, series. Got to oh. save the odds, too, because I think that has. Yeah, that, 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 fair point. That definitely plays a role in it. Uh, plus 25,000. <laughs> so, yeah, plus 25,000. And given the car that he's in, the 26 car, we've seen it have really good runs with a couple of drivers. I mean, John Hunter Nemechek, most notably, but we've seen it with Jeffrey Earnhardt have some solid showings. It's a solid car, and you get somebody that has a road course background like Kvyat. I think he can make some noise. It's going to be I very mean, hard to beat AJ, but I think he could be up there. I mean, yeah, I mean, at plus 25,000, I certainly I certainly think it's worth the shot. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, just a huge, that's huge value there. Mm-hmm. Like, do I think he's going to win? No, absolutely not. But I think plus 25, like, I... Like him better than a lot of guys ahead of him, than Andy Lally, whose car, I think Kvyat's definitely in a better car than uh, Ryan Sieg, Jeremy Clements, Landon Castle even. Maybe not Kaz, I think Kaz at plus 6,000 in the Abuji car, which has shown quite a bit of speed when Weatherman's in it. Uh, but, I mean, Kvyat in a car that we know can win at plus 25,000. Obviously only has a handful of, of, of stock car starts. But, I mean, the Roval's a crazy place, too. So, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I do like that one a lot. Yeah, I think uh, that, that one could be fun. You know, if, uh, if they allowed me to bet on a top 10, I think that's one that I would definitely take a look at in terms of betting some serious money on. Because I, I really think that they're going to have a good run. Um, you've seen drivers from, with you know more road racing backgrounds, especially in the Xfinity series, be able to jump in a quality car and run well. I mean, we've seen Andy Lally and mediocre equipment sometimes run in the top 10. So yeah, I think, I think Kvyat has a, sh- a shot to uh, make some noise on Saturday. Uh, going over to the head-to-head matchups, not a ton on the Xfinity side right now. Uh, there's one that I think is just a lot better than everybody else, though. I mean... I think that being able to get, uh, I've lost it now. Where to go? There it is. Hey, I swear this reorders every time you load it. Uh, for me, Josh Berry plus one hundred over Daniel Hemrick uh, at minus one twenty. Like, I think Josh Berry's probably he's actually been a surprisingly solid road course racer for having literally no experience on them before. Uh, what was that? Mid Ohio of last year. Yep. Uh, Hemrick, I won't lie, has. I mean, obviously it's only one race because of the race was Talladega, 
but had a, a very good Texas, had more speed than we've seen all year, is fighting for a playoff spot. But I just being able to have Josh Berry at even money over Hemrick just feels like a steal. Really at any race, to be honest. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that, except maybe a plate race. I don't know. That has more to do with calling just being good, and I feel like Josh Berry always had something stupid happen to him at the plate tracks. But uh, I'm with you. That's definitely one that uh, you can get Barry even money over someone like Hemrick who has struggled this year. Pretty easy bet. I'm going to go in the opposite direction in terms of, you know, Value. Um, I'm looking at James Davidson, who is the favorite at minus 130 over Brandon Jones, plus 110. They're in the same equipment, and in the past, when Davidson has driven Joe Gibbs' equipment in the Xfinity series, um, it's resulted in two top tens, a fourth at Mid-Ohio, an eighth at Road America, and in between there, there was another race at Road America where he didn't crash out, but he did lead 11 laps. So... Pretty strong in these cards. Road racing background. We saw him drive for you know Rick Ware a couple of times last year where he put on respectable showings. I think as long as he's able to keep the car in one piece, which it is the Roval, that's no guarantee, uh, he'll probably be in front of Brandon Jones most, if not all day. So I think it's a safe play. Again, might not get you a lot of money, but... A win's a win. Anytime you walk away making money, that is a good thing. So that's my pick for the head-to-head James Davidson over Brandon Jones. Could book that. Going to the fantasy side. As usual with the Xfinity series, lots of different names, a lot of different road course ringers in here, and uh, gives the potential for quite a few different teams. Yeah, so... I kind of have the same general strategy on both of them, which is I'm not going to be picking a lot of guys literally like racing for a playoff spot. I think a lot of them are going to go for stage points, which doesn't really help your fantasy team at all unless they end up leading a bunch of laps to win one of those stages. Uh, I am starting off, though, with a guy already locked into the playoffs, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, plus 11,000 because he's A.J. Allmendinger and it's a role if he was 20K, I'd probably find a way to make it work. <laughs> uh, next is Ty Gibbs, 10,600. Not locked in officially, but is 49 points up on the cut line. Basically needs to both have total disaster for him to happen and then have a lot of people have really good races and probably someone outside the top eight currently winning in order for him to miss. Don't think that's going to happen. Plus, he's just has been a really good road course racer. Uh, it'll be very interesting, if, especially if they don't end up running them, what these road course races will look like next year with both AJ leaving. Although I, they haven't said anything, I do, affect him to, I do expect him to still run them. But if he doesn't, him leaving, Ty Gibbs is leaving, almost certainly. I guess that's not official, but I'd be pretty shocked. Uh, we know Noah Gregson's leaving also contends. But Ty Gibbs is really good, so expect him to... Still compete, if not win. He's surprised us before. He could certainly do it again. Uh, next, someone we already talked a lot about, James Davison plus, or uh, sorry, 9,000. Uh, really solid guy for the price. I also have Daniel Kvyat on the team for 7,200. I think with his experience on road courses, being that he has a ton of it, not in a stock car, but still, uh, along with that price is just a great steal. And then I actually have both Alpha Prime guys this week. Seven Parsons, 6,100. Josh Balicki, 5,800. 
got a couple guys on there. Um, the same as you. Uh, I know AJ Allmendinger. I, I almost feel like you have to play him. Like the only logic you could go with to not play AJ is that. Well, how am I going to win? Everybody's going to be playing AJ, so I have to play him too. That's really the the only thing that I could think of on there. So, AJ Allmendinger, eleven thousand. Um, that's definitely my first pick for the team. Um, next up, going with Josh Berry again. Solid pick. He's kind of in that gray area where maybe he'll play with the stage, play for the stage points during the race. I think they might during stage one, but if they could get a decent amount, they probably won't in stage two, and they might set themselves up for a good finish. So, ninety-two hundred. Uh, just gonna go with it again. Sneaky road racer. I think he could get you a top ten. Uh, I also have James Davidson on the team. Nine thousand, pretty solid value there, given that uh, he is driving a Gibbs car. Uh, I also have Kvyat on the team at seventy-two. Uh, once again, good equipment, good road racing background. I think he'll have a strong day as well. Uh, missed this one, but Alex LeBay, uh, he's run good at the Roval before. Uh, another one of those drivers and you know, mid to lower tier equipment that when they go to the road courses, he's somebody to watch out for. Uh, wouldn't shock me one bit if he's up near, you know, top 15, maybe even the top 10 if things break his way. Uh, definitely finds a way to run good on these road courses. And lastly, I also have Josh Balicki, 5,800. Again, somebody with a bit of a road racing background. Um, you've seen him run the Alpha Prime cars before a couple times this year. He's pretty decent in terms of getting you fantasy points. So, you know, another, another solid pickup, and uh, I think he'll have a decent weekend as well. Uh, who Who is your team again? Team again, it was AJ, Barry, Blicky, Davidson, Kvyat, LeBay. Not the same. <laughs> okay, no, you didn't. All right. There were, there were the, the three. I know they weren't the same, but some of the key some of the key points of that. I mean, everyone's going to have AJ, like you said. Like The only way I feel like to win and not have AJ is if AJ crashes. Yeah. Which is, is certainly possible. Certainly possible. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to bet on that happening. Given that the guys won the last three races here, so three for three. I think a lot of us are expecting him to go four for four. Now over to the Cup Series. Um, pretty much the same, at least in terms of uh, who the favorite is. It's exactly who who do you expect with Chase Elliott at plus five hundred. I mean, and that is who I am taking, Chase Elliott plus 500. It feels almost bad if Chase Elliott has a five-plus win season, currently at five wins, yet some of them, somehow none of them are on road courses. It does feel uh, a little pretty, off. It'd be funny to me just because uh, of all the talk of all he could win on road courses last year, even though, you know, he won the championship winning only on uh, two road courses. No, he won three that year. I think he only um, won two when he won the title. They didn't go to Watkins Glen. In my head, they, yeah. I just assumed they went to Watkins Glen. Um, so, yeah. It, it just it, It's just a great track for him. It would have been interesting to see what he could have done last year. Like, this, all the other road courses we went to this year, right? We all knew that like it would kind of be a, like a Larson 
uh, Elliot affair. Wasn't always, but this one we didn't even get to see that last year because Harvick saw to it and then you know wrecked himself. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, though Chase Elliott plus five hundred is my pick to win. So, I was thinking about going with Chase, but I'm gonna go with someone different. And not because you took Chase. I, I think there's a chance he actually wins this race. I'm going to go with uh, William Byron, plus 1,200. Uh, he was running really, really good here last year. Uh, kind of got moved out of the way by Tyler Reddick racing for second, and then he ultimately drove himself into the wall, just pushing it too hard because he was in a must-win situation. Uh, obviously, a lot of pref- pressure has been lifted off of him given that they got their points back but man it would uh i think it would really piss some people off if he just went out there and won even though like at that point giving him the points back doesn't matter he won the race to get himself into the next round but given everything that's happened and he had a very strong run here like i said last year i uh i think william byron is gonna go out there and He's uh, he's looking to make some people shut up, I feel like, and there's no better way to do that than put your car in victory lane. So Byron plus 1,200, again, pretty good value for somebody that was pretty strong here last year. And then uh, going through, again, people that are deeper in the field, value picks. A um, lot of value, once again, maybe not as much as the Xfinity series, but there's definitely some people back here that could possibly get you some money. Yeah. I'm going with someone uh, not too crazy. That being uh, Chris Busher plus 2,500. Uh, Busher's been real good on the road courses. And I don't expect that to change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm Chris Busher, 2,500. Same logic. <laughs> um, going with Michael McDowell, though. Plus 3,000. Again, very strong on the road courses. Uh, had a top five at Sonoma, uh, along with Busher. I mean, they're both up there in that race. So I think with McDowell, and you can make the same case for Busher too, over the last, you know, month or so, those teams have just been looking like they're getting a lot better. And man, you know, when they were interviewing Michael McDowell after Talladega, that's I sound it sounded like he was being a little cocky there. He's talking about how he thought he could go out there and have a good run. Just uh the, the confidence is definitely uh is with him right now. You can just kind of feel it through that interview. So I think he's going to go out there and uh, probably put on another really good day. It's not going to shock me one bit if he's running in the top five, top ten. At this point, it's not really a surprise if he's up there, right, with the year that he's had. like No, same. him and Butcher yeah. have been in the top front, uh, or in the front, most of the road courses. Those two, plus, like, obviously, uh, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, and Austin Sindrick. Have all been in it. They've all actually finished in the top ten four of the five road course races. The one thing I think Matt McDowell and Chris Busher both suffer from this is they just struggled to get into the top five. Their only top fives at road courses were Sonoma, where uh, a lot of guys had trouble. Chase had his issues. Larson had his issues. Reddick, we never really got to see what kind of speed he had because he had his own issues. Mm-hmm. So. They are, are good. They, they both need to step up to get have like race winning speed on road courses, which I mean Busher just won a race, not on a road course, but you know, as a team they showed race winning speed. So I think they're definitely if they just hit on something, they can for sure contend for the win. Mm-hmm. 
Before we head off into the group bets, I think just because I think it makes sense to go over them because some of these guys I'm sure are in a group together with each other. Uh, the points obviously have changed since William Byron's penalty has been changed, I guess, not technically rescinded since they they owe more money. Uh, but it has painted quite a different playoff picture, whereas before Briscoe and Cindric, they were one of them was in, the other one was out, but they were tied in points. Uh, now they are the first guys looking out with 12 points uh, back, or I guess in front or behind uh, Daniel Suarez. The other two guys outside, one Alex Bowman, who is obviously eliminated now. The other being Christopher Bell, who at he was like 33 points, I think, mm-hmm. uh, out before. Already effectively in a must-win. Now at 45 back. That's as much of a must-win it could be without really 100% being one. Uh, but for these other guys that are inside now, their margins all shrunk a little bit. Uh, Daniel Suarez uh, up 12, but now the first guy in the bubble. Or the first guy out. And you always, you know, that's someone you always care about when you're inside. Because if someone wins, he becomes the cut line. <laughs> so now, whereas William Byron, if, let's say, Austin Centric wins. If that doesn't, ch- that before didn't change William Byron. Or, uh, sorry, Ryan Blaney. He would have still been up 32 points on the that effective next person out, which would have been Briscoe. But now if Austin Centric wins, William Byron is up only 20 points. It's a close picture, and I think all these guys are going to wind up going for for stage points. William Byron up thirty two to Briscoe, but like I said, only up twenty uh, to. I keep calling William Byron, and I don't know why. Uh, Ryan Blaney up thirty two to Chase Briscoe. Initiating his sister, so that's true. That's true. Uh, He is the only driver that could lock in, regardless of what happens in the stages. Uh, He would have to finish second to do that, Mm -hmm. Um, but. So he's up, up uh, effectively, because I don't think he's going to fall out to chase Briscoe or Austin Cindric unless one of them wins. So up 32, but really up 20 to the line he cares about the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross Chastain's four back of him. Denny Hamlin is 11 back of, of Blaney. Uh, all within like 10 points, basically, of uh, 10 to 15 points of the cut line should a chase Briscoe or Austin Cindric or even Christopher Bell win. So I think stage points will be at a premium. I mean, you could say that stage points, they're, they're always at a premium. Yeah, but they are, but I think they're even more important now. With it being a cut race, 100%. With it, with it being a cut yeah. race with two guys tied right on the outside. So if either of them get stage points, the other one goes for the win. It's all kinds of chaos. <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel like uh, Chase Briscoe is going to be somebody who 110% is going to play those stage points. He has pretty much every road course race this year. So the only, the only way I think that like Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric don't play the stage points is if they're running like ninth and tenths basically, and or, or further back even, and everyone in front of them plays the stage points, then you switch. But if they if that's the thing, if, if these guys in front of them don't play the stage points, Briscoe or Cindric absolutely will, and I think it's kind of where it forces them to play the stage points, which could potentially open up Briscoe and Cindric to going for the win. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting. I think a lot of it will do with track position because like, if, like I said, if, if you're obviously if you're Ryan Blaney and you have a chance to win stage one, I, you take that a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're, if, you know, if you're chase Briscoe going, well, I'll finish 10th and collect the stage point, or I can just pit and be in the top five when the race resumes, then you pit. Mm-hmm. 
So a lot of it will be with track position who's up there, but I think we'll see all kinds of wacky and wild things here. Oh, I, I'm fully expecting it at this point as well. Um, I mean, like, like you were saying with Ryan Blaney, if you could win that stage, that's a, that's a no brainer. I mean, not only does it give you the 10 points that makes you a lot safer here. Uh, I'm going to assume you're going to be able to finish the race clean and that'll give you another playoff point for the next round. So I think if you are somebody like a Blaney, maybe Ross Chastain, uh, going out there and winning a stage could be the smart play. Every Everybody else, you know, like you said, it's probably just a wait and see where you are when you get to the end of each stage. And then depending on who's ahead, who's behind you, you, you make the call from there. But I think there's going to be multiple different strategies, and we will see which ones that these guys decide to go with when we get to it. And it's going to shake up the whole race and, you know, possibly the playoffs if somebody makes uh, the right or the wrong move. So it's going to be very interesting when they get to that point during the race on Sunday. Going back over to group bets now. Uh, some of these, uh, I don't know, just kind of kind of funny to see how they, they came up with some of the odds. But starting with Group A, we have Chase Elliott at plus 180, Tyler Reddick at plus 220, Kyle Larson at plus 300, and A.J. Allmendinger at plus 450. I mean, I'm going with Chase Elliott because he was my pick to win the race. I'm going with A.J. Allmendinger. I, I can't pass up on plus 450 there. Um, I know Reddick, obviously, he has a couple of road course wins, and Kyle Larson did win Watkins Glen, but just the, the value is too good to pass up. You know AJ's going to be up there. I, I mean, I like AJ's value. I also like Larson's value, too, obviously. Won the race last year, won, won a road course race this year. And it's had speed for them. Reddick and Elliott are close enough, and they've raced close enough to each other. Uh, Reddick, uh, obviously, they battled with each other at Road America. Uh, and Chase Elliott was probably going to finish second at the Indy Road Course before Whew, all hell broke loose at the end of that race. Mm-hmm. I'll so, say, oh, with with Larson at 300, I think the reason, and this is just my opinion on it, is when you go back and look at that Watkins Glen race, probably shouldn't have won. No, but <laughs> you I mean, know? You're, sure, he was there. Sure, but he was, he was there. there. He was going to finish second. Yeah. And he won this race last year. Like, you know who was it's, not there in, in, at the front? I mean, not you know, he was near the front, but wasn't up in that front row. Was Tyler Reddick? So uh, the same concept applies. Well, Tyler Reddick finished second in this race last year. Well, he did finish second in this race last year, but guess who won it? It was Kyle Larson. But Reddick, Reddick, like, I mean, I mean, Reddick at Watkins Glen was not. Oh, Watkins Glen. Oh, I thought you said the Roval last year. No, no, I, I was just talking about Larson winning at the Roval last year. Oh, yeah, all right, at all Watkins right. Glen this year, like they've all yeah. been good, they've all contended, and I think they should all be. I get AJ certainly being the underdog here. Uh, he has had the least, although he could have obviously won one, has probably had the least impressive overall uh, road course this year, but I mean, he shouldn't be at plus 450. No, so I think his gap is definitely probably the best, but like I said, I like Larson's too at plus 300. I just, Larson, like I said, can't, can't pass up the value. No. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing. Is all, all, these four guys could all easily be in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coda notwithstanding, because I, I don't even remember, I felt like an eternity ago, but Larson had probably the best car at Sonoma and the team gave it away. Uh, finished, I think, third at, at uh, Road America. Uh, well, you know, I'm sure Larson doesn't want to talk about the Indy Road Course. Uh, how something this season could be so forgotten, just moved on. 
Like some, he he torpedoed Ty Dillon. <laughs> That's something in hindsight, kind of a lot more concerning with the new with uh, how hits in these cars could be taken. But hey, it was it was kind of on the side. It wasn't on the rear end, so. But I feel like it's just something that's complete. I forgot about it until right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, I mean, these guys could all finish top five. And when you have, I think, four guys that can finish top five in a group, and you have one of them being plus 450, that's a yeah, lot of value there. So we're, we're definitely going to roll with that. Uh, group B William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, and Austin Sindrick, all plus 260. Easy one for me. I'm going with Byron. Uh, you think of the same thing, or are you going oh, with... Oh, no, I'm going outside? with Austin Cindric. Right. I, yeah. I don't think they end up having... I think they end up in a position where playing the stage points doesn't even make sense. Uh, they just... They've been the best on of this group. Been the best on road courses this year. Obviously, Byron was very good last year and has historically been pretty good at road courses. Uh, Ryan Blaney's also won here, although... You know, got a very <laughs> typical Ryan Blaney win. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Suarez won at Sonoma. These are all guys that could win. Byron, the only one that, uh, well, I guess, uh, Byron, the one with the least amount of overall wins at a road course, because I don't know if he's ever won at a, well, I guess he won at Watkins Glen this year, didn't he? In the Xfinity oh. series? Oh, he got wrecked. No, Larson. Larson won. Larson swept. Larson swept. I got the car sw- yeah. swapped. Larson well, I mean, swept. They, they were running the same. Car, yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Larson's so. Has Byron ever won on a road course? Don't think so. Don't think he won in the truck series. No, Byron, the only one without a road course win. But like I said, it's particularly when Chad Canals was in charge, they won stages all the time. Uh, but yeah, no, Austin Cindric plus 260 here. Group C, uh, Ross Chastain, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, all plus 250, and Chase Briscoe at plus 300. I'm going, and this one kind of an opposite of them, other ones I've done. Uh, I feel like you're just going to agree with this part. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, they're in Toyotas. Get rid of them. Yeah. Just get rid of them. The other two, while I think Briscoe, they might play the stage points because they have played them great. It'll depend on their position still. Uh, I just like Ross a little bit more here. Uh, and uh, Ross is in a. Chase Briscoe's kind of might be in a make it happen position, and we don't know what'll happen there. Chase Briscoe's also been wildly inconsistent this year, so I, I like Amber Ross. Obviously, won on a road course, and I think has like the sixth best average finish on one this year. Yeah, so uh, give me give me Ross here. Yeah, with with Ross, I am worried because this is the type of track, and you saw it last year, where you might find some pretty good opportunities to get payback. Luckily for Ross, I think the driver he has to worry about the most is Denny Hamlin, Ross. and I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with him. <laughs> Ross is going to Phoenix at this point, man. They ain't no one ain't, ain't no one done anything. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that is fair. Uh, there's always Martinsville next round, but I don't think Denny Hamlin is going to be able to keep up with Ross Chastain this race. So I guess we're picking the same guy here. Give me Ross Chastain plus two fifty. Briscoe at plus three hundred. That is uh, tempting. Especially, you know, with the opportunity to put him on a strategy to get him track position into stage three. It's which... just so hard with him because they've literally played the stage point games at road courses almost all year. I think um, by the time you get down to the end of well, stage no, two, my, my, point, my point is that it's hard to know what he could actually do at a road course because of that. 
Uh, this year, they have the 24th best average finish on road courses. Uh, be- best finish of 14th or 13th, but they play the, the plus. I know sometimes they got involved in something, but part of that was also being in the position because you played the, the the stages. So it is just so he's so hard to read was my point. Mm-hmm. We know he could be a good road course racer. We haven't seen it at the end of these races, but is that just because they go for stage points? Yeah, I think uh, that very well could be the possibility there, but I, th- I think Ross is the safer pick at the end of the day, and I don't think anybody is going to try taking him out at least this week. So give me Ross Chastain plus 250. Last but not least, Group D, probably the most interesting one on here, uh, just because one of these drivers, I never would have thought he'd be put in the group with the other ones, but we have Joey Logano. <laughs> Joey Logano at plus 230, Chris Buescher at plus 250, Martin Trix Jr. at plus 280, and Kyle Busch at plus 300. Give me the odd man out, Chris Buescher. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm probably going to roll with that, too. Again, uh, same thing as uh, Hamlin and Bell in the last one. I don't trust Bush and Truex because they are in Toyotas. And uh, Christopher Buescher has been a bit better, I feel like, on the road courses a than Joey Logano this year. A bit better. Probably a lot better. A bit better. Joey, 16th best average finish. Chris Buescher, 4th best average finish. I think that's more than a bit that. Uh, g- give me Buescher plus 250. I think that's probably the easiest one on here. But, uh, you know, it is the Roval. Anything could happen. It's kind of like a restrictor plate race from that aspect where you don't you don't know. It It's just chaos. So anything could happen there. And that also makes, I think, fantasy teams a, a little difficult, too. Yeah, but I mean, I had a pretty easy time putting mine together, leading off with Chase Elliott at 10,600. Best average finish at road courses this year, despite being taken out at uh, the Indy Road Course and having not won one, uh, could realistically have five top fives in in five road course races. Uh, Was missing Sonoma, where he had a top five car before the team left a tire off. And uh, obviously Indy Road Course, where he's running second. Uh, Next is Tyler Reddick, another guy who probably could have five top fives in road courses this year. Uh, He has three, one being, I believe... The Indy Road Course, probably. No, he won the Indy Road Course. Uh, one <laughs> definitely being Sonoma. Uh, oh, Watkins Glen, he only finished seventh. I thought he had a top five there. Only finished seventh at Watkins Glen. Uh, other one being Sonoma, where this car died before we really got a chance to, what, to see what it could do. So, Tyler Reddick, 10,500. Then, both our value guys Chris Busher, 7,800. Michael McDowell, 7,300. Uh, they have the four, third and fourth best average finish. I just pray to God Michael McDowell forgets how to... He's been a really good qualifier this year, and it makes it harder to use him because you know you don't, certainly don't expect him to... Uh, at least as of late, he's been a really good qualifier. You don't expect him to be able to finish top five, uh, but when he qualifies like fourth, it's a lot harder to play him than if he qualifies 20th. So hopefully uh, he has a bad qualifying session. Expect him to do well. Last two guys... One I've used on a road course before, and I mean, he's been slightly serviceable. 13th best average finish on a road course this year. Cole Custer, 6,700. Uh, and last guy, someone who has run better at road courses than he's finished, but we have seen some good performance out of him, so if he can just finish the race, I think we'll be in a good spot. Joey Hand, 
5,900. So, I'm going with a gamble to start off mine. And that is Mike Rockefeller in the second Spire car. Uh, he'll be in the 77 this week. Road coursing, you know, road course background, sports cars, you name it. Pretty good driver. But the 4,900 price point, that, that's really the one where I think if you're going to try to, you know, stack a team together, you need somebody down there with low salary. And out of the guys that were that low, he seemed like the safest option. Uh, definitely a gamble. We'll see how that pays out. But it allows me to have some fun with the rest of the team. Uh, did need one other person that was low in salary at 5400 I went with Ty Dillon. He does have a stage win here. Hopefully he stays away from Kyle Larson, doesn't get torpedoed into on this road course. Now we're going up into the people a little bit higher. Austin Sindrick, 8,600. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, William Byron, my pick to win the race, 9,900. And then rounding out my team at 10,500, Tyler Reddick, and 10,600, Chase Elliott. I don't really feel like I need to go into detail with those two guys either on why they are uh, here on this team. But, uh, hey, that's, uh, that's it there. I think, uh, think it's going to be a pretty good Sunday. I'm, I'm hoping for anyways, at least in terms of the fantasy side. Any final thoughts? At least one driver inside the Cup Series playoffs currently is going to miss. Now, is that because somebody's going to sneak that, out a win? Nope. Not going to nope. try to get it more correct. Nope. I'm going to leave it nope. at that. <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, I think that's a very real possibility. You do have some people back there with some good road course uh, statistics to back up a possible threat into getting into that final eight. But uh, we'll see come Sunday. It's not going to shock me one bit. If somebody can pull out a win or just have a good run, unless it's like Christopher Bell at this point, I'd be very surprised if a Toyota ended up in victory lane, but it's the Roval. Crazy things could happen. We will, of course, be back to break down everything that happens over at the Roval this upcoming weekend. Uh, hopefully we'll have some good stories to talk about. But until next time, guys, thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Brandon Monroe here. Thanks for listening to the Bernie Breakdown. Remember to keep listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to follow us at Bernie Breakdown on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all of our other social media platforms.